This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Commitment leads to sorrow, which leads to action. Here's what the Bible says. If you commit yourself to him 100%, a beautiful thing happens. It says, when Jesus possesses you, your heart will be broken by the things that break his heart. When he walks in your shoes, you're gonna feel as he feels. And Paul calls that the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello, my name is Bill, and welcome to another episode of Today with Jeff Vines. Moving past our good intentions, that's what Pastor Jeff is covering in today's message. We're about to hear the rest of a message, it's from the Awakening series. Make sure to check out the whole series wherever you listen to podcasts. Pastor Jeff says we are to move past our good intentions and make a real commitment to Christ and knowing Him. Here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of this message. My whole generation live life what I call grace abusers. You see, the Christian life is supposed to be us working toward the center of Christ's likeness. This is Jesus, this is us. The whole Christian life for the genuine believer is to march toward it. Now you're gonna fail, you're gonna have weaknesses, I'm not saying that, you're gonna have moments and laughs, I know. But the point is when you do, you know, because your all intense passion is to become Christ-like. When you fail, you know, the grace of God is there to pick you up, right? But that's not, oh, no, no, no. No, that's different than the way we lived. What we did is we wanted to live as far away from Jesus as possible and still be considered a Christian. And we abused grace by doing this. We had no intentions of living a holy life in sexual purity and our goals and ambitions. No, we were going to do that. And you know what we were going to say? But I'm saved by grace. I'm free in Jesus. Folks, living here, with no intensive practical purpose of being holy is not grace. That's called sin. And it's called willful sin. And the book of Hebrews doesn't like it at all. According to the Bible, the devil knows exactly the one thing in your life to hook you and destroy you. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. The word in the Greek for dragged and the word in the Greek for enticed are both fishing terms. It's Jesus' way of saying through James, the devil knows exactly what bait to offer you because he knows your weakness and he knows how to reel you in. If you don't make a commitment sometime in your life when you say, not some of me, not a little bit of me, then whatever's left, the devil will target and he'll take the rest with him. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, You better make a decision to follow Jesus while you're young, now, and give him everything. If you don't, the current is going to be so heavy, it's going to be so fierce, that even if your heart decides it wants to come out, it's going to struggle to ever come out and be what God wants you to be, to do what he wants you to do and live as he wants you to live. Now, there's an alternative to this, 
And that's the contrast of the other passage, which Paul gives us in Philippians 3, verse 10. Here's what he says. Because Paul is going to tell you and me that when you do commit, listen, when you do commit, real life begins. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now look up, I gotta go through this fast. Say it with me. I'll say it once, then you say it together. Commitment leads to power, which leads to joy. Now all together. Commitment leads to power, which leads to joy. Because here's what's gonna happen. Once you do make the commitment, and you say to yourself, I am gonna do what Jesus wants me to do, and I'm gonna do it all the time. I'm gonna be what he wants me to be, and I'm gonna be it all the time. And I'm gonna live like he wants me to live, and I'm gonna live it all the time. The first thing you're gonna notice is this, you can't. It's impossible. You remember Bernard King, the great NBAer? Yeah. What? <laughs> Come on, man. He's from Tennessee. When he was in Tennessee, it was called the Ernie and the Bernie Show. It was one of our few times, man, we could claim the famous Tennessee Volunteers. And Bernard King, remember, he scored 65 points on one Thanksgiving day. It was great when he played either for the Kings or the Nets. I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He was a great player. My high school basketball coach took us to watch him play when he came back to the University of Tennessee. I stood there beside my coach, and I watched Bernard King really make everybody else look silly, kind of like Kobe does when he's on. I didn't say I liked him. I just said kind of like Kobe does when he's on. He was dunking on everybody, shooting fadeaway jumpers, hitting the three before there was the three. It, it was amazing. After he does this, my high school basketball coach had the nerve to come over and put his arm around me and say, did you see that, Jeff? I said, I sure did. He said, that's what I want you to do. <laughs> now, there are two problems. One, a lack of talent, okay, which is a pretty big deal. Second, a lack of will. I'm not sure that I was willing to do what it would take to get to that kind of level, even if I did have the ability. Now, please, I've been trying to say this all year to you, and I hope it's going to sink in now. There is a difference between doing something for Jesus and allowing Jesus to do something through you. The Apostle Paul writes earlier in Philippians, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So who works? God. Who wills? God. He gives you the will. He works through you to accomplish his purposes, but he's never going to do that until you fully commit to him. And the reason so many of us don't know what it's like to have God work and will through us because we've never truly committed and given everything to him. He knows it. So here's what he says. Okay, until you give everything to me, I'm not working, I'm not willing through you. But I want my own ambitions and I want to do my own things and I want to carry you along with me, Jesus. Jesus says, no, it doesn't work like that. You, good luck with that. You go try that. And when you're tired and you're empty of yourself and all the things you're pursuing, you come back to me, commit yourself totally and wholly to me and then you'll know what it's like to have power and that power will ultimately lead to joy. How will it lead to joy? Well, you knew I wasn't going through a whole series talking about Tony Campolo without talking about Charlie Stolfuss. Remember Charlie Stolfuss? Campolo says he was invited by a Pentecostal church to go and preach when he was a sociology professor at Eastern College. And he goes over. He said, the thing about Pentecostals, man, they pray for hours. I said that a few weeks ago. So eight big burly elders, Pentecostal elders, got me in this back room, started praying for me before I'd go out and preach. And then they all put their hands on my bald head. And that was okay. And they prayed for hours, which was okay too, except the more they prayed, the tighter they got. And the tighter they got, the more they leaned and you got eight big Pentecostal preachers leaning on my head. 
And what really ticked me off, he says, this one guy wasn't even praying for me. He was praying for some dude named Charlie Stolfus. He said, God, you know Charlie Stolfus. He lives down the road one mile in a gray trailer. Capallo says, I'm thinking, what do you think? God needs the address? I think God knows where he lives. But he kept praying, God, I pray for Charlie Stolfus. He left his wife and three kids today. I pray that you would do something. I pray that you would orchestrate events to bring them back together. And Campolo says, he just kept praying for this guy Stolfus. And I just want to say, knock it off, fella. Pray for me. I'm about to preach. So he goes out and he preaches. It's over. He gets on the Pennsylvania Turnpike to go home. There's a hitchhiker. He pulls over. Campolo says, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm a preacher. And anytime you can get a person confined to a restricted area... So I picked him up. We're going down the road. He looked over and he said, hey, fellow, what's your name? The guy said, my name's Charlie Stolfus. <laughs> Campolo says, you have got to be kidding. <laughs> he looked at the guy after a bit of a pause. He turned off the next exit. Stolfus says, where are you going? He says, I'm taking you home. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? He says, you just left your three children and your wife, didn't you? He said, the guy plastered himself on the passenger side. Just fear in his eyes. And what really shook him up is when he took him right to his home. <laughs> Pulled in the driveway. The guy's eyes are just bugging out. He runs to the front door. His wife's glad to see him. His kids are there. Tony Campolo says, I walked in there. And they said, how did you know? And Campolo says, God told me. <laughs> God did tell him. God did tell him. And he says, I went in. I made them sit down and listen. I was like E.F. Hutton. Now, most of you won't get that. Some of you will. I was like, yep, they listened to every word I said. And Tony Campolo said, that guy now is a preacher out in Southern California. I looked it up. Charlie Stolfus is a preacher in Southern California. Now, here's the thing. When you commit yourself to God like that, like to, when you commit your life, he, there is nothing that will bring you more joy than to know that God will put you at the right place at the right time for his purposes. And you can be used of God to do something that really matters. Nothing like it. And Paul calls that the power of the resurrection. Now, i got to tell you the truth. There's a second thing, though. Commitment leads to great sorrow, which leads to action. Let's say it together now. Here we go. Commitment leads to sorrow, which leads to action. One more time. Commitment leads to great sorrow, which leads to action. Here's what the Bible says. If you commit yourself to him 100%, a beautiful thing happens. It says, when Jesus possesses you, your heart will be broken by the things that break his heart. When he walks in your shoes, you're going to feel as he feels. And Paul calls that the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Now look up. I've been waiting for, my goodness, I guess 10 months to tell this story for such a time as this. That's hard for me. I tell you every year about going to the prisons in Rwanda. Man, it's changed my life. And to go up there, I could talk about it all day, as you know I can. But I'm not going to. What I haven't told you is what happened last year when I came down from the prisons. And Anastas, my interpreter, took me into the city of Kogali in Rwanda. And he introduced me to the swamp children. The Hutus killed almost a million Tutsis in 90 days. So mothers and fathers and grandparents, cousins, uncles, aunts were all killed. And there were hundreds of hundreds of children that went to live in the swamps. The government had no social programs for them because they were trying to cover, recover from the war. So you had a whole, this is 15, what is it, 16, 17 years uh, later, you got a whole group of children trying to get fruit from the trees, bathing 
in the muddy rivers, trying to get whatever they could, one change, no, no change of clothes, just one pair of clothes that they tried to wash. And a lot of them died. But years went by, and those young girls were raped, and now they were having children. So that you had a second generation swamp kids, and every evening at sundown, almost every evening, these young girls who became young mothers carry their child who has died out to the end of the village and dump them in a hole with nobody there to love them, to care for them, to explain what's going on, anything. Anastas said, Jeff, I want, I want you to see. You need to come see these swamp kids. Second generation. They were doing it in a VBS. American team was there from Savannah, Georgia. And I came down. There was this one boy trying to get to me. Anastas was trying to protect me because all these kids wanted to come around and see me. There was one little boy. Man, he was persistent. He couldn't have been much more than six or seven. I thought, man, this little kid's impressing me because he is not going to be denied. And he reminded me of a young me when I was that age. So I said to Anastas, man, that kid, you get him over here. Anybody that person, because he was not going to take no for an answer. He came over and Anastas grabbed him by the hand and brought him over. I knelt down on one knee and he put his hand on top of mine. And then he looked like a, a dog who had caught a car, not sure now what to do with it. What do you do now? He had caught me now. Now what do I do with him? And he looked up just with a little tear and he said, do you have any food? Do you have any food? Man, I, I told Anastas, I, this is killing me. I came back here. And I, I had a meeting with a friend of mine. I said, man, will you help me? Because Anastas tells me that for a measly 10,000 US dollars, we can build a little building and have running water. So at least there'll be showers and a little bed for a lot of these kids to sleep. Can we do that? He couldn't write the check fast enough. Jesus will bring sorrow into every one of your lives if you're truly committed. He will. Do you know why? He wants to see what you'll do with it and how you'll respond. If you'll turn your head and walk away, because that's the easiest thing to do. If you'll have pity but not compassion. Pity is when you say that's too bad and you walk away and forget it. Compassion is when you're moved to do something. If I take this bar of steel and I turn it into 16 penny nails, it'll be worth about 60 bucks. If I turn it into cutlery, knives, forks, spoons, it'll be worth 600 bucks. But if I take the same bar of steel and I turn it into very fine Swiss watch springs, it'll be worth $6 million. What changed its worth? That in which it was invested. Young people, don't you turn me out. I want you to look up and I want you to listen to me. I've got my eyes on you. I see you. I see you. You better make your decision now that you're going to live for Jesus Christ, that you're going to be committed totally and wholly for him because if you don't do it now, you're going to get older and your mom and daddy are going to be praying their heart out for you, but it's going to be so hard for you to get out of the current. It's going to require a miracle, which God incidentally can do. Third and finally, commitment leads to power, which leads to joy. That's the number one. Commitment leads to great sorrow, which leads to action. Then all together... Let's go. Commitment leads to following, which leads to sacrifice. Let me just tell you, if you do commit to Christ, young people, listen. If you commit to Christ, Jesus might call you to Africa. He may call you to make a sacrifice. 
See, if he doesn't have your true commitment, he knows you won't go. But if he's got it, he may take you into the jungles of South America, to the bush of Zimbabwe. Any Zimbabwe people just got back or in the room? Anybody here that just got back from Zimbabwe? Okay, there you go, one back there. All right, did you have a great time? Was it life-changing? Was Pastor Jeff right about Victoria Falls? Yes, he was. And do you know why? Because Pastor Vines is always right. No, no, I'm just kidding. You know that's not true. I know that's not true, and you know it. But a lot of the time, you hope he would be. He might call you, but tell me something. That sacrifice was well worth it, wasn't it? And you'll never forget it, and neither will you. And you will get out of this mundane life and stop going where everybody else is going, doing what everybody else is doing. And you'll live the abundant life. <laughs> I'm telling you. Listen, I read the story this past week about Clarence Jordan. Clarence Jordan, a lot of you don't know about, but Clarence Jordan inspired Jimmy Carter, who wasn't a great president, but does have a heart for people. And a real instigator of Habitat for Humanity. What most people don't know is he was inspired by Clarence Jordan. And Clarence Jordan was inspired by an old hillbilly preacher from up in the mountains of Georgia. And he tells the story, and I'm going to close with it. He says one day, Clarence Jordan, that is, was teaching in Columbia, South Carolina. He was called up to do a revival up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, I believe up in the mountains. And he got up there, and this is 1950, folks. He got up there, and he saw a church of like seven, 800 people in the mountains, and it was integrated, both Whites and African Americans, same church, 1950. He was so overwhelmed, he said, Preacher, how'd you do this? And the old hillbilly preacher said, Do what? Now, I may not do African American accents well, but I can do hillbilly because that's just me. <laughs> do what? He said, how did, You're integrated. How, how can you have both African Americans and, and, and whites together? And he said, Oh, well, I'll tell you how. He said, about 30 years, I came to this church. When I came, their preacher died. They were a church of about 70, 80 people then. And they couldn't get a preacher know-how. So I said, I'll preach. They said, okay. So I preached. First Sunday, I just put my finger where I thought God wanted me to preach. So he lead me, and he led me right to this passage. It said, there, there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We are all one in Jesus. He, he said, what happened? He said, them deacons took me back there in the back room. And they said, preacher, we don't want to hear that kind of preaching no more. Clarence said, what'd you do? He said, I fired them deacons. <laughs> he said, well, didn't they fire you? He said, they never hired me. <laughs> what'd you do then? He said, every week. Once I found out what bothered them people, I stuck the knife in every week and I just dug and dug around. Preachers do that sometimes, if you notice. Just dig around. And he said, he said, I preached that church down to four. <laughs> and he said, then we really began to grow because we only let Christians in. And it's what he said in the end that just struck a chord with me. He said, Brother Clarence Jordan, sometimes revival begins not when you get a lot of new people in your church and you get a lot of old people out. Now, let me clarify. <laughs> he doesn't mean old by age. He's just trying to say something that is powerful here. 
He's trying to say that sometimes, sometimes, a preacher has to be in a position where he says, you know what? Make a decision for crying out loud. Commit. And I'm going to ask my buddy Eric to come up here right now. Come on up, Eric. Give Eric a hand, man. He's just always doing Come up here, Eric. Eric's going to put some tape down right here. He's going to put a strip here. He's going to put a strip here. And he's going to put a strip here. And I want him to do that because one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is Joshua. The old people been wandering in the wilderness for 40 stinking years. And now Joshua's going to address the new generation. Do you know what he says to them? He says, look, I'm not going to mess around with you like Moses and us. We mess around with the old people. I'm coming to you right now. I'm not going to wait. I'm telling you right now. You choose today who you're going to serve. And he drew a line in the sand. He said, you're going to serve God. You walk to this side. If you're not, you stay on the other side. And sometimes preachers have to get a little heavy. We're patient with everybody who's on their journey. And I don't want to be just a church with believers in it. I don't. Then we're not doing our job. I want people to come and seek. But at the same time, I don't want you to come here for 30 years and never make a commitment. That's what I'm asking you today. Some of you young people, you know in your heart you've never made a commitment. Living out on the edge all your life. You never had any intention of giving everything to Jesus. I'm calling you out. I'm asking you to give your life to Christ today. I gave my life to Christ. Did you? You shouldn't question that. No, no, that's not my point to question your salvation right now. That's between you and God. What I'm questioning is, man, if the Holy Spirit's working in your life and open your eyes right now and telling you, man, you never made a commitment to me. You never committed to this. You haven't. Make it. If you were baptized as a baby, like I said, you didn't make that decision. Somebody else made it for you. I'm asking you to step across the line. Dad's. Some of you were baptized as a baby. You wonder why your son hasn't? Because he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. When you humble yourself, your family may follow. Dads, if you're here, what a great day to be baptized. Father's Day, submitting to your father. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm calling, I'm asking you to give your, walk across the line. If you've never been baptized, man, it's a very clear directive Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, first sermon preached, be baptized. And if you've never committed yourself and you know it in your heart, come. Come. All right. Father, thank you for a beautiful day. Father, we also recognize that you are the ultimate father. You give us the, the pattern, the, the way of life, the way that leads to abundant living. And I pray right now in Jesus' name for all those who are here that have never been baptized, that their eyes would be open and they would follow your command. And although it requires a great amount of humility, Father, we know that you set the example, you humbled yourself, and you left your place of glory to come down and be among us and to die a shameful death on a cross. So I pray for those who have not been baptized would come. I pray for those who have not given their lives fully and totally to you that they would come and commit. Father, you would be pleased with our decisions and commitment in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me want to
Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.